Welcome to the Speaking Podcast. You can find all our episodes on speakingpodcast.com. We're also on Facebook. We're on BitChute and we're on YouTube. And I also have the Awakening Podcast, the Meditation Podcast, and the Learning Polish Podcast. And all can be found on freedombroadcasters.com. Today, my guest, please welcome Joanny Perez. Did I pronounce it correctly? Yes, you did. Where are you from? I'm from Dominican Republic, but I live in New York. Okay, perfect. Yeah, because I, I, my my mission is I want to interview people from all over the world, so I haven't got somebody from the Dominican Republic yet. So you might let the yeah. listeners know uh, who's Joanny. Yeah, so I'm Joanny, and I'm based off of New York. I'm Dominican. I'm a Dominican immigrant. I immigrated to the U.S. with my family when I was two, so in the 90s. Um, and um, we all grew up here in the Bronx. And I'm a restaurant business strategist. So I own three restaurants in New York City with my mom um, and my family. And we've been in the industry for eight years. Um, and now I coach other women of color and immigrant families who want to go into the food industry and want to open a food business or a restaurant. Um, so yeah, that's basically me. I studied psychology in college and I have traveled to Haiti and South Africa, Honduras to do mission work. Um, and this past year I decided, you know, what is, what is that one thing that I'm an expert in? And it's the restaurant industry and how to get into it. And I started to talk about it and tell my story. So that's how I started that. Beautiful. So what I, because I know that in the coaching and uh, especially in the restaurant world, you need to be, you know, able to speak in public, not be afraid to talk in front of employees and everything. But I'd like to know your journey from getting, uh, you know, from your young to when you got comfortable speaking, how, how was your, uh, your route? So I think it was, you know, when I was in college um, at Bronx Community College, I started by joining a club, the psychology club, and I realized that the current president wasn't doing very much. There weren't any like uh, team activities or volunteering. Um, and so I thought, you know what, I'm going to run for president and of the club because I wanted I want this club to have meaningful activities to serve the poor, to do like um, activities with other club members. Um, and other club leaders, so I'm going to run. So that's where I started to come out as a student leader on campus. And it, re- and it was going to require me to attend conferences for student leaders where I had to introduce myself, where I had to pitch, you know, who I was and what I wanted to do and what I was all about and my leadership skills. And from there, I also had to engage with other people and talk in public. Um, and then I started on social media, um, going live on Instagram, going live on Facebook, and talking about being a business owner and a coach, and right. then making YouTube videos as well. <laughs> so I know a lot of people, they fear doing that. So what tips could you give? Because I know how effective doing the Facebook Live, because if you're posting something, you'll get a certain amount of uh, interactions, but when you go live, it's mm-hmm. by 10 or more. So what tips could you give people for, for actually doing the live Facebook Live? 
I would say when you do Facebook Live, um, just prepare yourself, schedule it in advance so you know, you get your mindset ready, um, be positive, uh, write down a script, not a script, but you know, like talking points that you want to go over. Um, and if you are so, you know, very nervous, do it with someone else at first, like get on live with someone else, interview somebody, um, and then just go for it, be confident, um, and believe in yourself. I, you should be able, you should be fine. Um, and it, it's live people enjoy genuine seeing someone in their genuine state. Um, so you, it doesn't have to be perfect and you don't have to speak perfectly. You just have to start, even if it's messy. I think that messy action is better than no action at all. No, love it. Yeah, that's very good. And do you think people should be kind of consistent doing a few daily or one a day or every once a week? What what seems to be the better strategy? I think there's there needs to be some consistency and should you know will I go live once a week? And then incrementing from there, maybe twice a week, um, so that you are getting comfortable so that the next time that you're going live, you're not panicking, right? You feel better than the last time. You feel more confident than the last time. And do you do um, YouTube live as well? Or do you just do recordings and put up the recordings on YouTube? I've done both. I've done recordings and I upload them, but I've also gone live from a live streaming platform into YouTube with, you know, other guests that I interview. Um, and that's really exciting because, you know, it's live, it's um, it's interactive with the audience and you can interact with people who are commenting and coming into your YouTube live and it stays there afterwards. Uh, do you use a stream, StreamYard for that or what system do you use for? Yes, I actually use StreamYard to go live on YouTube. I, I it's think- a really... No, it's good. Yeah. Every every Saturday we do a live call, but one of the girls is like a moderator. I mean, she's on the show as well, because it's hard to be engaging with the person you're interviewing, as well as trying to look at the comments, because if you're looking at the comments, you're not really listening to the person. So that's why it's good for us, because, you know, there's five podcasters and a guest and one person specifically concentrates on the, the comments. But it can. Right. But it definitely helps because when people see you engaging they come back the next time because they, they feel, you know, their voice is heard. Exactly. They feel part of it. And uh, I see, cause I, I started playing around with TikTok. I just done it at the start uh, for my son, but do you think TikTok is the way forward? Yeah, I, I had TikTok for about a year and I have done videos, but I haven't been consistent on it. And I started uh, this year being consistent on it. And I did a video yesterday um, based on restaurants on TikTok, and it has a uh, 667 plays already. So I think once you start being uploading two videos a day on TikTok, you will see that it, you start getting results. And I think I made the mistake of just kind of doing everything on TikTok, and I was doing stuff magic with my son and just doing different. I think if if you do something specific, so for example, you're doing the restaurants. That's the secret to TikTok because then people know. Because I follow magicians, I follow chefs, so I, I wouldn't follow them if one day they're they're doing something totally different. So I think the secret on the TikTok is to stick to one topic, or create two channels. You know, one can be yes. the you know the the silly you, let's say, but the other can be specific to your business side. You're right. 
Right. And you could also be silly and then just have like captions that are educational around your expertise. So you could be very creative with TikTok. That's a good thing. It's a good platform because like they, they make it easy and they, you know, if you like a video, there's buttons that you can find that you can replicate what you've seen, you can do a lot of effects and it gives you all the sharing options as well. I mean, I don't share it because I kind of just do it for fun with my son. But if you were trying to promote your business, you know, it gives you all the options to put it to the other 10 or 15 different types of platforms. Right. Like making it real on Instagram as well. Yeah. yeah. So how did you get into the coaching? So I got into the coaching um, last year when COVID hit. And I thought, you know, we were at our restaurants, we were doing really good with takeout delivery and just being connected to the community and then outdoor dining. And so I thought, you know, I want to mentor other people who are currently struggling. There are currently still a lot of restaurants who are struggling um, during these times and also food entrepreneurs who are trying to get their product, you know, their catering out there for people to buy. And so that's why I decided to, to go into this coaching platform now um, that I've been building slowly. Yeah, brilliant. And I like... I just had a food truck. I know what the the food industry is like. I mean, it is hard. So you might tell us the journey because I know that you've helped your mother yeah. in that. So you might tell us the story of how that came about. Yeah. The um, So it was back in 2011. I was working as a McDonald's manager and my mom went, had, went back to school for business administration and my, my stepfather has been a bartender and a server for 20 years. So that's where like the connection was. Um, I remember we used to go out as a family to different bars, different restaurants. And my mother would always, you know, have this dream of having her own because when you have your own, you can make your own rules. It's your restaurant. You can make, you know, treat you, the employees however you prefer to treat them, um, which is like a family, the way we treat our employees. Um, and so, she had asked me, what's the process to open to buying a McDonald's franchise? So that's what the initial thought was to buy a McDonald's franchise. But in order to do that, one of the requirements was that we had to have a, an existing business for two years. Um, and we didn't have that. And so that's where the independent restaurant came about. And we found a space in Riverdale in the Bronx and we started renovating it and it was a success from the very beginning. Um, and then from there we scaled um, to two other restaurants about two years in, into, into each one. Well, I mean, I know with the McDonald's because uh, a lot of people think, you know, oh, this would be great for McDonald's. One, it is extremely expensive. You're talking a few million to, to get a McDonald's. Yes. Going. And the other thing is I don't think a lot of people realize there is a very high failure rate, but nobody knows because the person is investing in it. So McDonald's have all of the stuff, the money from the person that invested. So it doesn't right. close. McDonald's just takes over and that person is liable. It's over 21%. I remember a few years ago, I don't know what it is now, but it was 21% failure rate. So a lot of the times people think, oh, I want to go down the McDonald's route when you should start, you know, I, I don't know, did you delve into different franchises as well? But a lot of the time, a lot of the figures, they're not what you think. And, they, you know, you see them in the uh, all these, uh, like the Inc. 1500 and all this. 
like you can't go by that because I was working um, for a consultancy for franchises. So I had a lot of inside information and it was ones that were like number one in that industry. And I knew that there was 80% of people had failed in it. I was asking myself, how are people doing that? So it's great that one, you didn't go down the McDonald's route, but two, you were able to build something yourself. So with, with the employees, I mean, because I found that that's a hard one. To, like you said, you treat them like family, which is beautiful because a lot of the time, you know, that doesn't happen. People just get, you know, uh, not, not, they're just part of the furniture, basically. Mm-hmm. So how did you kind of create that? Yeah, from the beginning, we always been um, restaurant owners that have been present. So we're not sitting at home, like just watching through the cameras, right? Uh, whether everything's going correctly or not, everything is good. But we're there working with them alongside them. Um, and you'll see like my stepfather taking out food and, you know, making sure that everything's running smoothly. And my mom is there. And we're um, created this environment where the employees feel like, you know, they feel happy, they feel heard, um, they're treated very well. They they say themselves that they love their their bosses <laughs> because um, we also spend time with them, you know, on the side. We go out, we we do a dinner, you know, we take them out to dinner once a year. We do a party for them during the holidays. And like everyone who starts working there doesn't want to leave. And then we've actually heard of customers who, who are always saying, I want to work here. You know, <laughs> I want to work here because they feel they, they can feel it like that we are like a family. And actually right now, my mom and my stepdad are in Mexico taking a mini vacation with some of the staff and like another part of the staff is in Costa Rica because we closed for a few weeks to remodel. Um, So we're remodeling one of our restaurants. And meanwhile, uh, people are on vacation together. So, you know, where do you see that? (laughs) Yeah, Very rarely, not as beautiful to to see. And like, because I I like um, watching uh, Hell's Kitchen with Gordon Ramsay, but and I, I actually think he's actually a nice guy and I've seen different master classes with him and everything. But the TV show Hell's Kitchen, where they just scream and abuse the chefs, I think it's it should be banned, first of all, because it's like encouraging that type of behavior. Is that does that happen in the industry? It does happen, but not as that extreme. I think that it being a television show, right, it's going to be much more dramatic. But, you know, we, my stepfather and, and my uncle, they're both in Mexico together right now, um, having a blast. They always are going at each other, you know, but it's because sometimes when you're working together and it's busy, people can rub off each other. But that doesn't mean that we're still a family and that we're still friends. So there's, we still make that distinction between, okay, we're working, right? And the reason why my stepfather is like on him is because things are not getting done well or they're not the food is not coming out fast enough or you know so when we're working we're working but that doesn't mean that that our, our employees don't feel safe happy and and like a family beautiful and um like what secrets are there because i know i mean the fact is it three you said yeah three restaurants that you yeah so 
I mean, that's rare because uh, people probably don't realize, but it's one of the the highest failure rates of business is a restaurant. It's like, you know, I, I keep track of it just because of the franchise kind of history. So if I'm in a lot of these malls or different places, you'll see so many closing down or just restaurants. So, and I've been working in real estate. So you, I just spot it straight away and you see so many restaurants closing down. So what was your, what was your core secret to make it as not only the one, but now that you've three. Mm-hmm. I think it's um, it's part of, first of all, when you first start, it's having that safety net of putting uh, separately like a fund. So having capital, we have in two other restaurants, we have other partners. So we have people, other people who have invested into the business. And so we have that as, okay, maybe it's, you know, winter time, it's February and sales are down, but we have a safety net there that we can use in case, you know, we have to pay expenses or we have to pay any, any employees with that. Um, but also that was very useful for COVID times because there was a lot of construction that you, people, restaurants had to do with the outdoor dining and the, and now the winter, um, they had to build this structure outside. Um, and also, you know, any salaries that you had to pay or or just being able to pay the bills right now because you have to be able to pivot really quickly and make, you know, we are making, a, we're still making sales, but it's not the same, right, as pre-COVID, um, especially with a curfew, 10 p.m. curfew. You're not open until 4 a.m. like before. Um, so first having that, that safety net of having some money saved for emergencies and for like very difficult times was really helpful. The other thing was community. When we were first, when we would, we would pick a space and start renovating it, we would, um, every single person that passed by, we would say hi, invite them in and let them know like what kind of business we were starting. Oh, like, you know, we're starting this restaurant. This is what we're going to serve. You know, what do you think? Um, do you have, do you want some wine? Um, what wine should we, or do you like what, what is the preferences of the neighborhood? Things like that, because we were making that connection um, even before being opened. Um, and people, so that the, on day one, you know, we were filled and people were excited and they felt part of it. Um, so that's the second thing. And if I could say a third thing would be just, um, being part, like staying connected to the community and giving the best service that you can. Always being on top of, you know, the drinks that they're top notch and the dishes and that you're always, you know, going with the times and changing your menu up a little bit and keeping it spicy. And we always had live music. People love live music where, where we are in our in the area that we are. Um, so that is, I think one of the biggest successes is that we always have a live band Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and sometimes karaoke is on Monday and people love entertainment. Um, and so that's a big, big secret. And um, <laughs> of success. With uh, regarding the, the modifications that you have to make, is the government funding that or is the restaurant ha- having to actually take it out of their pocket to do all these alterations? 
Most of them have. Um, there are a few pro bono companies from the city that are that if you call them and you apply, you can get the construction done for free. But we know how that goes, right? How many there are thousands of restaurants who are in need of that and the city, right? Being what, what they're doing and even, even the country right now with relief for a small business, it can be, it can be um, very challenging to get anything. And with the employees, like, like did you have to leave some go? Do they actually provide uh, a monthly allowance during these times for, so that they can keep a roof over their head and food on the table? Yes. Um, so we have less uh, servers on. So we usually have one bartender, one server, one food runner, and one chef in the kitchen, and then one person doing the dishes. So there's definitely a lot of our staff that are on unemployment at the moment. So they are collecting and they are just, they know that it's temporary. So once the weather becomes nicer, like end of March, um, that's when we open the completely. And I believe that February 14th for Valentine's Day, the New York City governor is opening indoor dining again. So that's good news. Well, hopefully, I, I know we had a live guest on uh, Dr. Pam Popper. They're trying to take the, the government to court regarding uh, all of these lockdowns and everything because, you know, the society has been destroyed because of it. So hopefully we'll get the whole lot overturned and get back to normal as everybody after one year is kind of sick of that. So with the karaoke, you mentioned uh, you've the karaoke on Mondays. Did you start singing? Do you do the singing yourself? Do you, do you get up and uh, try to get <laughs> I've done it before. I've done it before at the restaurant, <laughs> like at 4 a.m., 3 a.m., when there's almost nobody left. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, because I know You've a lot done of people, it virtually. Yeah, a lot of people fear doing that as well, because they think, you know, with yeah. the public speaking and the singing, I mean, you can do it at home in your own house with, say, the PlayStation or something like that, but to actually sing in front of a group, people fear that a lot as well. Yeah, well, we get, we, we get a lot of brave uh, souls in our restaurants because people it gets packed when we have karaoke so i know that um it, it's like an indian t- tedx I, I i know if the, is it a josh talk that you've done yes um so i was invited um i was recruited on linkedin by an organizer of josh talks and since it's COVID times, they're doing it um, virtual. So what I had to do was I had to write up a speech about my, my immigrant story and how I went from being an immigrant in the US with my family to building three restaurants in New York City. And so I film it at home, I filmed it already and it hasn't been published yet. So they, I think they're a little bit behind um but it should be published on you on their youtube channel soon and how long was the speech that you had to provide it was about eight to ten minutes okay mm-hmm. and did you so you you still had to practice it as if you were doing it live because you didn't want to be yes. editing you wanted to do and what was your process for practicing that because i know a lot of people aspire to do a tedx or a ted talk or, you know, obviously the Josh talks are something popular in India. So what was your strategy for kind of one, trying to connect people and remember what you were saying? Yeah, so 
So I actually, you know, I had some friends look it over the speech. So I, I wanted to make sure that the speech was, first of all, at the very beginning, I didn't want to introduce myself right away. I wanted to speak about why people should listen to me, which is one of the, the techniques for a TEDx talk. You want to start with the why. Why should people listen to me? Why am I an expert? And you know why? You sh why you should care as the audience? And then introduce myself. You know, I'm Joanne. I'm a restaurant business strategist, etc. Um, and then go into my story. So the way I practiced it, it was I would record myself through my phone. So first, I would hear myself going through the speech, read it many times, um, try to do like a whole page because my speech was like three pages long, right? Um, so I, <laughs> I had to memorize it page by page. Um, and then after that, I would do it on um, just recording myself on video um, and looking at myself and seeing, okay, this is where I have to put, pump my energy up. Or, you know, in this piece, I have to practice this, this part more, etc. But also like sending it to my friends, the video to see what feedback they had. And some people were like, oh, you know, you should probably wear a different color uh, dress because, you know, it would look better. Because one of the requirements was that I couldn't do it on a, on a white background or a black back background. So I have this um, browned wall in my living room and it's very dark, right? But it's the only, <laughs> it's the only wall that is not white in here. So I had, at first I had like a green dress and an orange dress was going to look better. So I did it again. Um, but that last video that I, that I filmed was very, was very good. It was the best one. So it took me actually a more than a month to practice it, to mm -hmm. film it again and again and again. So even if it was from home, and it was virtual, I wanted to look natural, I wanted to look, you know, I wanted to do it without reading it or anything like that. And were you standing or were you sitting down? Were you, you know, was it full full body or just like we're seeing here and I just did the kind of head and shoulders? That... It was standing and it was like from, yeah, from, from here up. And uh, regarding your coaching, how, how are you, kind of connecting with the people that need the coaching because that in itself is kind of you know not everybody is cut out for that so how are you you know because a lot of people aspire to have the restaurant so is it mainly that you're trying to help people get into the restaurant or improve what they're doing or is it more business as well business strategy it is a little bit of everything it is you know people who want to go into the restaurant field people who may have already a food business and they just want advice um, so I get a lot of people who are saying like, hey, I'm cooking, you know, I'm doing catering, I'm doing, I'm cooking from home, but I want to increase my, my customer base, or I want to increase my Instagram reach. So not necessarily opening a restaurant, but they want strategy, business strategy. Other people come to me and say, hey, you know, I relate so much to you. My dream has always been to open a restaurant. You know, can you, can we get on a call so that... I can work with you. And so we get on a call. I offer a free 30-minute um, consultation. 
I call it a restaurant clarity. Usually people are confused. They don't know where to start. You know, it's, it's a very complex business to get into. And so I make them feel at ease. And, you know, when the call is over, they're like, oh my gosh, I feel so much better. You've given me so much hope. And they feel more confident that this can be something that they can do. Excellent. Yeah, love it. And prior to these funny times, have you done, uh, organized any workshops or events? I haven't yet. Not, I have organized events, but not specifically around restaurant building or food business. So I've, me, I have a business partner. Her name is Ashley. And we run a coaching platform called Elevate Yourself, which is just general business strategy. So it's not related to food or anything like that. Um, and we just did a series um, where we would, um, on Zoom, have a workshop with a guest speaker. So we had a few, we had like three, like four or five guest speakers. One was talking about stocks and how to invest in the stock market. That was very popular. Um, another one was talking about purpose and how to find, how to define purpose in your business. And I believe one of the other ones was how to use your voice to be influential, to influence people, um, to be heard and to make a difference. So we have been hosting workshops and, and last year we interviewed black business owners. Um, so yeah, those events are, are really nice because you get to um, feature people who, you know, are doing what other people want to do, which is start a business. Oh, brilliant. And uh, I'm not sure is it yourself or your mother, but you've got featured in kind of top publications because of the restaurant. Because of the restaurants, yes. New York Times and New York Post and a, a few other local media outlets. So one, how do you go about getting into them? And two, does it really help kind of if you use that, that you've been there in promoting yourself or the business? Yes. Yeah, so the way that you get into something like that, I mean, it's, it just comes natural. I think it just came, you know, somebody from the local community was trying to write a piece on Hispanic businesses and they, they knew, they knew our place. So they wanted to feature us. Um, so it kind of comes to you naturally, like it comes to you. Um, and the best way to do it is just by, you know, being contacted organically and not trying, not you trying to make it happen, but being noticed by the community because, you know, we were a family, Hispanic family who came into this um, upscale neighborhood, which is Riverdale in the Bronx. And we opened a restaurant and we, no matter what came, you know, we kept going. Um, you know, it takes a lot to be open for eight years. Like you said, there's a, a high rate of restaurants failing in the first year and the second year, even in the third year. Um, so it's a big deal. And people notice that. And so they will notice um, and they will want to feature you in the papers. And so using that as, you know, showing that to your customers and showing that to the community so that they can see that you are making a difference. Um, is the way to use that to your to your advantage. Brilliant. And I think the secret to your success is the people and the community, because 
you know, one, you said from the very start, you were connecting with the community. But I know myself, if I go into a restaurant and I see the owners treating the waitresses or the staff, you know, just terrible. I don't want to go back there, you know, because it's a bad vibe. But when you see people, you just know people really enjoy being in an environment. And I think that is the secret to success, because I think it's after 10 years is something like 4% of businesses survive. So eight years is fantastic. And, you know, it's credit to you for what you've created. And I presume it's brought yourself and your mother a lot closer because not everybody can kind of work with parents and, you know, brothers and sisters and stuff like that. But sometimes, I mean, I have a lot of friends that do and it just works. They just, it's like, you know, they're like a, a jigsaw puzzle just connects properly and they get on so well. So like, have you found that it has brought you closer with your mother by doing this? Yes, it has. It has brought all of us closer because there's a lot of family working with us. Um, and it has, you know, definitely, especially now during COVID has strengthened that friendship and that, yes, we can do it, you know, and this is temporary kind of attitude um, that you really need. You know, you really need a lot of positivities to, to stay afloat in these times and know that this is going to pass. And like in a month or two, we'll all be together again and we'll be busy again. Exactly, exactly. Well, I believe that uh, anybody that's aspiring to be a restauranter, you know, they need the right advice because some people, they just, you know, maybe buy a book and start off and, I highly encourage people to talk to a coach, you know, better than a person that has, you know, done it not once, but three times and it's still operational. So how can uh, people get in contact with you? Yes, they can visit me at Joanny Joas uh, underscore coaching. Perfect. So I'll put that in the description below. So listen, it's been wonderful. And I, I know that you will, uh, you know, help a lot of people with what you've said there, with your tips and tricks for the show. So thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So that's all for the speaking podcast. You'll find us on BitChute. You'll find us on YouTube. Give us a thumbs up. Give us a five-star rating. Until next week. Take care.